Well, I, I hope all of you are uh, over the election blues, which might be a bit of a pun here. Alberta and Saskatchewan are looking pretty blue compared to the rest of the country, and we might be feeling a little blue as well, some of us, especially here in Fort McMurray, where the vote was uh, almost 80% blue. So guess what? I know how most of you voted. And, and if my social media feed is any indication, we're feeling pretty feisty about it right now. There's this passion to flex our muscle and fight, and my, my hope is that we Albertans won't end up fighting each other as we flex our muscle at the rest of the country. I do occasionally express where I personally stand on some of this stuff on social media, like Facebook, more to create dialogue than to influence, and I threw a post out there this past week directed at <coughs> excuse me, my friends in eastern Canada. Most of, my, most of my eastern friends, not all of them, but most of them were a bit hard on my gentle post uh, and the blue wave that swept Alberta. But you guys, you guys pushed back on my eastern friends with passion. You guys were feisty. I did notice that over 150 of my Facebook friends, mostly from around here, have joined the Vote Wexit Facebook page, which is like 250,000 strong and growing. So I'm not sure what to make of that, except that we're in for quite the turbulent ride in the next few years. And it got me thinking about how the Apostle Paul worked with the church where most of the people wanted to see the Roman government crushed. And in the midst of all of that, Paul made a plea that crosses all political lines and perspectives. Paul simply says, hey, doesn't matter where you stand, you need to pray. You need to pray for everyone. And then he goes, and by the way, that includes your leaders. Here's what the Apostle Paul said, and I think he's saying to us today. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then he throws something else in there. For kings and for those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So we're to pray. We're to pray for our leaders. We're even to pray for leaders we don't like. There is a connection between praying, praying for your government, <clears throat> and being part of a country where more and more people experience the love of Jesus for themselves. Prayer can change a whole nation. So wherever you stand in this post-election time, let's be people who pray. People who pray before we fight, or at least pray as you fight, okay? Our, our country needs prayer. Our, our country needs healing. Our nation could use an old-fashioned revival. The people of our country need Jesus, and so I'm praying, and I hope you'll join me for praying for our country. But despite how feisty we are in Alberta right now and how passionate some of us are to flex some muscle, the fight I want to talk about is not political. It has nothing to do with Wexit, and we've been talking about this fight for over a month now. It's the fight for your life. It's the fight for the life that you really want to live. It's the fight to overcome hurts, hang-ups, and habits that hurt you and hurt those that you live and work with. It's the fight to experience life the way God designed life to be. Last week, we looked at Paul's agonizing story of struggle in Romans chapter 7. And if you haven't heard that message, I really encourage you to take a look at it through our Fort City webpage or listen to it on iTunes. Paul is he's like just gut-wrenching in his honesty about what's going on in his life. He says, man, I can't figure myself out. All of the best intentions are not good enough. I, I want to do the right thing, but I can't. And I, I don't want to do the wrong things, but I do them. And let's be honest with each other. That's your story. That's my story. 
You know that if you could put into action all the good things that you want to do, you'd be doing a whole lot better in life, right? What's going on? Well, there's this natural resistance inside of us that, you know, that just wants to do what's easy, what's convenient, what's quick, what's fun, rather than what's right and what's best. Let me use an illustration that I kind of held back on using last week because of the election, because it could be interpreted as a bit political, and it might be anyways, but it's truth. And if you disagree with it, that's okay. The illustration still works. When, when I look at how I run my own personal finances and how we try to work here at Fort City, we want to be very wise about how we use debt. I'm not anti-debt, but when a country like Canada keeps racking up debt, sometimes it's because of this tendency of our human nature where we have the inability to delay gratification. We want, we want it now, whether we can afford it or not. And we go out and we charge it, whether we can afford it or not. And we do that personally, and, and we do that sometimes as a nation. Uh, here's a statement that I think is so true. We buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people we don't like, right? Somehow we think we can have it all. But you can't have it all. You can't satisfy every craving. You can't... Uh, no, you've you got to understand life is about choices. You have to make choices in your life, like what's best for me, what's right for me, and most important, what does God want for me? You know, the best intentions just won't do it. So there's this fight, this battle that's inside of you, and much of the unhappiness that you experience is because you're listening to you instead of to God. Hey, I, I don't mean to speak words of condemnation, not at all. Because you've got to understand our God. Our God, he's got your back. Our God, he wants what's best for you. When you read about God's design for your life, the principles that are laid down in the New Testament scriptures, you discover that uh, these are not rules designed to restrict. No, not at all. God simply wants to show you the way to a life that flourishes, a life that works, a life where you live and love like Jesus. And Jesus has one more thing in mind. He wants the people you live and work with to love who you are or who you're becoming. Follow God and his word and you get life. Life now, life to the full now, and life forever. And as you gain life from Jesus, you gain the respect of others. So this is not condemnation. It's just life as it should be as we move in that direction together. The way this works is you come to Jesus just as you are. He takes you wherever you're at, and it doesn't matter where you're at. He simply says, follow me, embrace my ways. Uh, you will have life, and you will have it to the full. So no condemnation. It's not about rule keeping. You're not capable of keeping all the rules. It's simply about following Jesus and allowing Jesus to empower you, to empower you to live right, to live well, to live in a way that's good for others. But still, there's this fight to get there. Last week, we, we saw the Apostle Paul coming to the end of his rope in this fight. And, and we saw Paul reach the conclusion that all of his effort uh, to try and do good, to try and be better, wasn't getting him to where he wanted to be, that his willpower was not enough. And, and we left Paul last week kind of spiraling down and when things were getting dark in his life. And, and then we saw this little ray of hope at the end of last week. From last week, Paul says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's where we left you last week. We left you with Jesus. That the answer is Jesus. That if you follow Jesus and let him lead and empower you, your life will flourish. 
that with Jesus you can overcome those hurts, those hang-ups, those habits that are so destructive to you and to those who you do life with. But today, what we want to do is we want to move from Romans 7 to Romans 8 and unpack even more what it means that Jesus is the answer. And I'm grabbing a few thoughts from Rick Warren for this, and I want to look at some weapons that destroy our lives We'll call them weapons of self-destruction if we can. And we'll look at how Jesus gives us weapons to fight those things that destroy us, those things that so often come up against us. I'm also going to throw in a little theology, basic Christian theology that I think is incredibly important for us to understand. So if this message sounds a little more heady than normal, hang in there. It's just stuff we really got to know to really understand the Christian faith. And, and I know you can, you can handle this. Okay. Let me take a look at the first weapon of self-destruction, which is shame. You cannot be happy and feel shame at the same time. When you feel ashamed, when you feel guilty, when you feel regress, all that robs you of happiness. God doesn't want you walking around feeling guilty. He doesn't want you walking around feeling ashamed. He doesn't want you walking around full of regrets. That's why Jesus came to the cross to die. He died for the sin that causes all of the shame and the guilt and the regret. Let's get into Romans 8. Here's what the Apostle Paul wants us to understand. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, which no longer so satisfy us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the spirit friends what we've read is truth it's a bit complicated i get that but it is truth that can set you free these four verses i mean they're deep they're rich they're powerful they tell us what jesus did for us if you're going to be set free from whatever it is that's holding you back here's where you start here's how you get rid of that shame and guilt very simply You know, taking a look at those verses, I must daily remind myself of what Jesus did for me. I just remind myself all the time what Jesus did for me. Do you see it there? If you belong to Jesus, there is no condemnation. Period. Zippo, like nothing. No condemnation. It means that God doesn't judge you for all the things you've done wrong since you started to follow Jesus because God took all of the punishment. Jesus took the judgment on you for the cross. All of it, past, present, and future. Jesus doesn't have to judge you because he was judged. He doesn't have to condemn you because he took your condemnation. He took your wrath. He paid your penalty. He he took your time. Now, please, hear me. Apostle Paul is not saying, after I make a decision to follow Jesus, that I won't blow it, that I won't sin. You will. Welcome to the human race. You will make mistakes. You were born with a sin-infested human nature and you will go to your grave with a sin-infested human nature. You will not experience full release from your sin nature until eternity. Even so, there is no condemnation for your sinful behavior. None at all. You don't have to walk around with shame or guilt because when Jesus died, 
He, he not only paid for the sins that were part of your life last week, he, he paid for whatever sin you get into this week, next week, and for the rest of your life. This is the good news of the cross. You were forgiven even for the mess that you have yet to make. But Paul doesn't just stop there and say you're forgiven. He doesn't say, don't worry about the mess you're making in your life. I, I mean, you're forgiven, so don't worry about it. No, because the mess, it hurts you, right? And the mess, it hurts the people you live and work with. Paul says, you're forgiven, but now that you have Jesus living in you, you, you have a new power in your life that is greater than willpower. And this is great news. You're forgiven, but you have power to change. Before you started to follow Jesus, the only thing you had to use against your bad and destructive habits was sheer willpower. And how long does that work for you? Not all that long for most of us, if we're honest. But now that you know Jesus, and he lives within you, there is a new power in you. This is what makes following Jesus so awesome for your life today, tomorrow, and, and until you go to the grave. Let's keep moving. In verse 3, Paul then goes on to talk about the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments in particular, and really the 600-plus laws that the Jews made up that came out of the Ten Commandments. Paul says keeping those laws, working hard to be a law keeper, won't help you, won't save you, won't give you the life that you want to live. Hey, how many of you say, I've kept all of the Ten Commandments? I'm doing that right now. Any takers? And can you name all ten of them? I bet not many of you could name all ten of them, right? And then, there are like 613 laws that help Jewish people understand how to keep those ten commandments. They are ten. They kind of morphed into 613. They're found in the Jewish Talmud like it's crazy, like totally impossible. I, I just thank God that I'm not a Jewish person living before the days of Jesus. 613 laws, and you needed to keep all of them. Okay. Well, I'm on a political rant this week. Will any political party or political movement change human behavior? No. At best, all politicians can do is pass laws that try to fix outward behavior or really force conformity to some code of behavior. Politicians cannot touch and transform the human heart. Only Jesus can do that. You know, if I thought a, a politician could change human behavior by laws, I, I think I'd become a politician. Instead, I'm a, a pastor who points people to Jesus. Why? Because it's only Jesus who can transform our hearts. Only Jesus can transform us into the people we want, really want to be and, quite frankly, who others want us to be. So passing a law that says everyone's going to be a moral, no one's going to be a racist, you, you might get some external conformity, but, but you won't change the heart. And laws. There will always be people who will break laws if they think they can get away with it. By the way, one of the things that is true of Fort City is that we don't expect anyone to act like a Christian until they become one. And even then, we're pretty graceful. Because until someone has Jesus living inside of them, they do not have this supernatural power to change. So we can't expect people uh, to behave otherwise. Does that make sense? And even with that supernatural power in us, there is still a fight, right? So we just work with one another wherever we're at and we invite one another to experience the life-changing power of Jesus and we allow Jesus to lead us to live and love more and more like him. You're a mess. I'm a mess. We're a mess. But we're getting better. Because of Jesus, we're changing for the better. So how do you overcome the sin and the bondages that are taking you down? 
How do you uh, clean up the mess that is us? You, you look to Jesus and you remember what he did on the cross and you ask for his power to change. The power to change comes from Jesus. The, the power to change comes from the fact that Jesus paid for it all on the cross. Okay, number two, another weapon of self-destruction is we, we kind of just let our thoughts run wild. Uh, we, we just let loose with uncontrolled thoughts. Friends, you need to rein those thoughts in, get them under control, and change what's happening in your mind. And with Jesus, you can do this. This is doable with Jesus. Now, what, what many of the writers of the New Testament tell us is that the way we act is determined by the way we feel, and the way we feel is determined by the way we think. And we'll see that a bit more when we get to verses 5 and 6. A guy says to me, Doug, I don't love my wife anymore. I say, okay, so what are you going to do about that? Well, I'm just going to force myself to love her. Well, how will that work? It doesn't work, right? You can't force feelings. It's like telling a crying kid, you command, hey kid, I command you to be happy. I'm trying, daddy. I'm trying as the tears continue to flow. Friends, you cannot force a feeling. And when you do, most people can tell that you're faking it. What you do instead is you change the way you think. And if you change the way you think, that's going to change the way you feel, and then it will change the way you act. So the weapon God gives us to counter the weapon of uncontrolled thoughts is the Holy Spirit. I ask the Holy Spirit to give me better thoughts. Take a look at these next verses that Paul writes, 5 and 6. He says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The sinful mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Here's what happens when you choose to follow Jesus and invite him to come into your life as your leader and forgiver. Jesus comes and he takes up residence in your life through the Holy Spirit. You are no longer living all on your own. This means... You can ask Jesus to help you, even to help you think right, to put good thoughts in your mind. So here's what you need to do. You ask God to fill your mind with himself, to fill your mind with his powerful truths that you've been reading in the Bible. You, you ask God to fill you with his powerful thoughts that, that God is for us. But still, there's a battle. There are two mindsets that are war for your life. There's the mindset of your old nature, and there's the mindset of the Holy Spirit. There's the mindset of how I normally see my life, and there's the mindset of how the Holy Spirit sees my life. Here's the challenge. You've got to make an intentional decision, and you have to make that decision every day to choose between those mindsets. Between the mindset that is so often is self-destructive and the mindset controlled by the Spirit that brings life and peace. You choose what you let your mind dwell on. And here's how you do it. It's the principle of replacement. When you got something in your life that's negative, you don't resist it, you replace it. You say, I want to stop smoking. Well, it's like frog and toad together, the story that we read last week. If you missed last week, we actually read a kid's story together. It was awesome. Frog and toad together. I don't want to eat a cookie. And I go and eat one. I don't want to eat another cookie. And I go eat another it was a great story. Anyways, the whole time you were focusing on what you don't want. Whatever you focus on gets your attention. 
What gets your intention gets you. That's why if you want to break bad habits in your life, the key is not to resist it, but to refocus. Here's a Rick Warren statement. Whatever you resist persists because you just keep focusing on it. Same thing when you're scrolling through videos on your phone and all of a sudden something turns up that you don't want to watch or you know you shouldn't watch. You don't sit there and go, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. No, you replace it. And the moment you replace it, it, it it's gone and, and it has no more grip on you. So you choose what you dwell on. And oh yes, I, I get there is an evil one at work influencing your mind. I, I get that. But even more so, there's just your own powerful, sinful inclinations influencing your mind. But we who know Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we just need to invite the Holy Spirit to flood our minds with right thoughts, good thoughts, uh, proper thoughts. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Would you invite the Holy Spirit to have free access to your mind? You say, God, you put your Holy Spirit inside of me. I I give you free access to my mind, like 24-hour-a-day access. I I invite you to flood my mind with your good thoughts. And you do that every day and throughout your day. Why? Because God's thoughts, they'll always be truth. They'll always be right. They'll always be helpful. Uh, They'll always be pure. So those are the things we need to think on. That's why the Apostle Paul said this to the Philippians. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And you ask Jesus through his Holy Spirit to help you do that. Friends, the Christian faith is a supernatural faith. God is alive and well and works powerfully when we choose to align ourselves with him. God will do this if you seek him every day and throughout the day. Okay, let's keep looking at our minds. They're a big deal. Romans 8, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So this brings us to the next weapon of self-destruction that we so quickly come up against, and that's compulsions and addictions and destructive habits. And it's a sinful mind hostile to God that leads us to this. But Paul wants us to know that we can fight the battle against these compulsions, addictions, and destructive habits with the weapon of faith, where I realize I have a new ability to say no. I exercise faith, I wield the weapon of faith, and I say no. Take a look at what Paul says next as we read on in Romans 8. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if, see it there, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Now, there's something we really need to understand here. It's so critical. I need to remind myself. I need to remind myself every day. I need to realize I have a new ability to say no to things that are destructive in my life. You know, if I were a yelling preacher, I think I'd be yelling right now. This is so important because all you had before you started to follow Jesus was willpower. That's it. And with willpower, you lost a lot of those battles. Okay, not all of them, I understand that, but a lot of them, right? Because the truth about willpower is it, it, it eventually wears out. It's, it's just not enough. 
But now with the Holy Spirit in your life, you have a new ability to say no, a new power. You, you need to learn how to tap into that power. Personally, I, I've had to learn this the hard way. That before I allowed the Holy Spirit to fill me, to overflow in my life, there were things that I just couldn't say no to. I couldn't. I didn't. I'm not going to tell you what they were. It, I just didn't see the ability to say no. You can call them compulsions. You can call them habits. You can call them urges. You can call them lusts. You can call them impulses. You, you can call them your old nature. But the truth is they were just things in your life that you couldn't say no to. I couldn't say no because all I had was willpower. And the willpower would run out. But now I have, and you have, we have God's power, and he gives us the ability to say no. Paul said it this way in his letter to the Galatians. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now don't misunderstand me here. I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you, but hear this. If the Holy Spirit lives through me, am I saying, is Paul saying that, we just don't have these desires anymore that they go. No, sorry, not at all. What Paul says is, I won't satisfy those desires. In other words, do I still have the same desires I had before I started to follow Jesus? Yes, absolutely. Do I still have the same temptations? Yes. Do I still have the same urges and compulsions? Yes. Do I fulfill them? No. Why? Because I have a new power inside of me. It's not just willpower anymore. But you have to choose to tap in. Let me put it this way. And I don't mean to sound guilt-inducing. It's, it's not. It's just truth. If you know Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit filling you, you can no longer say, I couldn't stop myself. If you have Jesus, you can't say that. What you have to say is, I didn't look to Jesus in the moment of that temptation. I did not ask the Holy Spirit to give me power. But you can't say, couldn't do it, couldn't stop myself, and I'm not here to heap guilt. I want to do the opposite. What I want to say is, hey, what an awesome God we serve. He doesn't leave us to live in this world full of temptation and mess all on our own. He will empower us to find our way out. Is that not awesome? Compulsions. It, it, they can ruin an entire life with one second of compulsion. Just ask some of our scandal-ridden politicians, and I know a couple of pastors have blown up their careers, their families, with just a few seconds of compulsion. You have these men and women who have worked so hard to build strong reputation, but you find out they let a moment of compulsion get the better of them, and it blows everything up. Now I know, if I blow it, Jesus will forgive. Still, there might be human consequences to face, but he will always, always forgive. But what is so awesome as well is the fact that I have a new power, a new ability to say no. So when shame comes at me, when my thoughts just take off and become uncontrolled, when, when those uncontrolled thoughts lead me to compulsions, addictions, and destructive habits, friends, if I know Jesus personally, if I've asked him to fill me with his Holy Spirit, I can win the fight against these weapons of self-destruction. How can I win the battle? By first, remembering every day what Jesus did for me on the cross. Take time to remember that we belong to Jesus, that Jesus is for us, that he purchased our wholeness on the cross. Secondly, just by giving the Holy Spirit access to our minds, asking the Holy Spirit to give me better thoughts, and lastly, by realizing we have 
a new ability to say no. That Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gives us God's power that is infinitely stronger than our willpower. So my question is this. Do you belong to Jesus? Because none of these things are true in your life unless you belong to Jesus. And next question. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You need the Holy Spirit if this is going to be true in your life. And you need to seek His filling day in and day out. Maybe you're not sure. So let's make sure as we go to prayer in a moment, and I'm going to pray a prayer and ask you to pray it with me. Just take the words I'm praying and and just kind of pray them in your heart as your own prayer. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for all that you did on the cross for me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that there is no condemnation for anything I've done or anything I might do. I don't understand it all, but I accept what you did on the cross for me. I ask for your forgiveness. I invite you to come into my life, and I will follow you. And really, all of us, we we need to be praying this next part together. Pray with me. And Jesus, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Just ask him to fill you anew right now. Fill me to overflowing. Fill me and fill my mind with your truth and with your holy presence. And I commit to reading your word, your truth, and allowing your spirit to apply that truth to my life. And I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to to give me strength to say no. Jesus, I, I, I ask for your help. Thank you that no temptation, no destructive behavior is too strong. And most of all, God, I'm just in awe of your love for me, that you've made a way for me to live with you and to experience your life transforming power. Today, I commit to living my life with you, for you, and in your power. I pray in Jesus' name.